Welcome to the Rhodes Church Podcast. We are so excited to connect with you. We hope that this podcast builds your faith and that you will be encouraged and inspired by this week's message. So hey, I just want to take a moment and uh, jump right in um, to the Word of God. But before we do that, everybody like a little fun because I believe that God sits in the heavenlies. I believe He laughs. I, like, I think that God likes to laugh. And uh, what a powerful testimony today. Um, what a, man, we could have just dropped the mic. Like, drop the mic and it's over. Lights out. Lights out. So, all right. So, uh, here we go. And I, I just want to give a little disclaimer that the only people that's able to ever give cop jokes is cops. <laughs> just being honest, all right? So, you'll appreciate that if you're here. I know that nobody, that was in the first service, there were people would say jokes about cops. All right, I know the second service is not like that. But here's what happened. The perfect crime was committed last night. Someone broke into the police, the police department and stole all of the toilets. Police say they have nothing to go on. <laughs> ha ha. And you know there wasn't even donuts involved in that one. All right, here we go. An officer observes a woman standing in the middle of the street. He approaches her and he asks, are you okay? The woman replies, yes, but how do I get to the hospital? The officer says, just keep standing in the street. <laughs> Jesus. You know, behind every joke, there's a reality. This joke didn't just come up. This really happened probably somewhere. You got time for one more? All right, here we go. An officer sees a man exit a bar at closing time and get into his car. After observing some erratic driving, he pulls the man over. The officer asks the driver, where are you going at this time of night? You ever been asked that question? The man replies, here's a good response. The man replies, I'm on my way to attend a lecture about alcohol abuse and its effects on the human body. As well as smoking and staying out late, the officer asks, who would give that kind of lecture at this time of night? The man says, my wife. <laughs> ah! Men, I'm trying to help you out there. Don't stay out late. All right, you might get a lecture or two whenever you get home. All right, so if you have your Bibles, turn with me to the book of Matthew chapter 15. Yeah. Man, how many likes the bread of life? We like the bread, we like breaking the bread, and uh, just thankful for the opportunity again to speak God's word and, and speak what is on the heart of God, what he's wanting to do, not only in my life, but also in the lives of others. That I just want to continue to echo the heart of this house, that God is not raising up attenders, that we're raising up disciples, Amen. that we're not just looking for people to pretend services or attend services, we're looking for people that are going to get involved, not just observers, but participants. People that are going to participate in not just a service, but participate in using their gifts or their talents or even digging into God's Word and, and find out what He says about who they are and about what God's wanting to do in their life. So, Matthew chapter 15, let's just pray. Father, we thank You for this day, and we just pray that Your Word will be health to our flesh and strength to our bones. We love You, and it's in Your name we pray. Amen. Matthew chapter 15, it says, Then the scribes and Pharisees 
who were from Jerusalem came to Jesus. Where did they come from? They came to who? They came to the truth, right? Saying, why do your disciples transgress or why do they go around or why do they go past the tradition of the elders? For they do not wash their hands when they eat bread. Now listen, I want you to understand something that I know the first service people you know, some of you in here are thinking, yeah, that's kind of a, that's kind of a gross thing, and, and yes, we should wash our hands before we eat, and I agree with that, but some of you, you know how sometimes you go to someone's house, and they're preparing the food. I mean, they were looking at this as being a, a really culinary issue, and, and sometimes we have those people in our life that, you know, whenever you go to their house, and, and they're making all that food that you kind of eat before you go. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? You've been there. You know who the people are. God's just, he's highlighting those people right now. You're like, I better eat before I go because I know the sanitary, what's going to happen in this place, right? <laughs> so Jesus comes along here and he says, I like how Jesus comes and he says that he doesn't look for a response. He doesn't give him a response like an answer to that question, right? Like many times we would get on Facebook. I mean, this wasn't your average. These, these people, Pharisees, man, these guys were like, tri they wasn't triple A. They were major leaguers. Like, they wasn't no single-A stuff. They wasn't no minor league stuff. These guys were major league people. Like, they knew the law. They, they had had all these laws inside of them, so they knew all that, all these ceremonies and all these things. So they wasn't no fools coming along and asking Jesus this question. But I like how Jesus is kind of different than some of us nowadays. We get on Facebook, and we get behind the keyboard, and somebody asks us a question. Did you hear what so-and-so's doing? They've been eating without bread. I was over there at the smorgasbord the other day, and they went to the bathroom, and I seen they didn't even wash their hands. <laughs> like, you know how that happens in life sometimes. That, but they went right to the source, and i got to give it to them, man. They went right to the source, and they asked Jesus the question, Why do you guys, your disciples, transgress the, 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 the tradition of elders, and they eat the bread without unwashed hands? And he says, he answered, Why do you also transgress the commandment of God because of your traditions. Jesus makes a powerful point, right? He's like, hey, first of all, they're not eating. It's not matter what, it doesn't matter what goes into the man or what comes out of the man. But then Jesus begins to address this issue by giving the question. So I was thinking about tradition, and I was thinking about tradition in my life. And, and uh, the word tradition in, in Webster's Dictionary basically means an inherited, established, or customary pattern of thought, action, or behavior. Now, I think that these Pharisees, we'll see that they had an established thought. They had an established action. They had an established behavior that was not in alignment with the kingdom of God. And that's why Jesus was like, hey, you know what? What about the commandments of God? Jesus tried to point them to the truth because he was the truth. So he was trying to point them to the truth. And then he goes on and Jesus tells them that, he even, he even recites a commandment from the Old Testament, honor your father and your mother. Listen, I want you to understand, teenagers, children, when you honor your mom and your dad, it brings long life. That's the word of God. It brings long life to you. When you honor your parents, your, your mom and your dad, you honor those in authority over you, it brings long life to you. So he goes on there and Jesus says, he on, you honor your mother, your mother and your father, and he who curses father or mother... Let him be put to death. But you say, whoever says to his father or mother, whatever profit you might have received from me is a gift to God, then he need not honor his father or mother. Thus you have made the commandment of God of no effect by your tradition. So if there's anything that will make the effectiveness of God in our life to be undervalued, 
It is by the tradition. I'm not saying that we don't have tradition in our life because we have traditional vacations. We have traditional, we're getting ready to come up on traditional times of holidays and we meet. And there's some great things with tradition. But I believe today that God's wanting to break us away from the fact that, that, that if we do not identify the source of that tradition and it exercises authority over us, then it's not alignment with the kingdom of God. That's what he's saying. And I, I feel like that, that we, so many times, we do not identify the source. There's a source behind what produces our actions, our thoughts, and our behaviors. There's a source. If we never identify it, and we never go after it, we never ask what that source is or look for that source behind it, we may be in a tradition that is going to keep us captive. We get so captivated by tradition. I'm just kind of tired of tradition, right? I mean, I just feel like God's really stirring us in my heart that, that there's areas of my life that even sometimes when, it, when we talk about tradition, we may think, well, well, we're talking about church and we're talking about services. What about the alcoholic or the addicted person that's addicted to pornography and things like that? What do we say to them? Because I sit down with many of them and they say it didn't start there because they may say that that's because my parents were that way, so that's the way that I need to be. See, that's where it starts. We get, a, we get a wrong thought that takes a captive and authority over our mind and then it begins to produce our thoughts, actions, and behaviors. I've talked to many people, and I'm not saying anything to me, but I've talked to many people, and the one question I love to ask people is, how did you get here? How did you get in this addictive behavior? Well, because my parents said it was always going to be that way. And I guess that's just the way it's always going to be. But I come today to declare over you and decree that it's not always the way that people say it is. That's why you have to identify the truth of God of what he says in his word. And then you'll be able to identify the source of where it comes from. And until we <laughs> identify the source, until we be intentional about identifying the source, then our actions, thoughts, and behaviors are going to be governed by the authority of another kingdom. Until we break away from that traditional mindset that that's the way that they did it. You ever ask somebody, hey, why are you doing it that way? I mean, really, it's the reality, right? It's been passed on from generation to generation. And I want to say today that I don't care what's been passed on to you today, that God's the one that breaks generational curses. There's generational curses that are being passed down. And you know how they're being passed down? By the word of, by the mouth. That's why it's important that you prophesy and you speak over your children. Even whenever they're in bed, even when they're asleep, that you prophesy that this is not who you're going to be. This is who you're going to be. God dictates who you're going to be. The enemy doesn't dictate who you're going to be. Tradition and culture doesn't dictate who you're going to be. God dictates who you're going to be. We got to break away from tradition. Tradition, and I begin to, as I was praying and, and just asking God, God, I want your heart on this. And God just stirring in my heart. He said that the sickness in the church is not coronavirus. The sickness in the church is the tradition that we held to. That's the sickness. And God wants to come and break the sickness. He wants to break us away from tradition. 
to think that that's the way it's always going to be because some of you are sitting here, E-Rhodes family, you're sitting here and you're listening and you're saying, yep, yep, that's what they said I was always going to be, so that's what I'm going to be. But I come to declare today that you're not what they said you're going to be. Jesus went right to the situation. He didn't go around it. He didn't go around conflict. He went to conflict. The Bible says that in verse 8, and this is what really gripped my heart about what Jesus was saying, was he said, these people draw near to me with their mouth, and they honor me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. And in vain they worship me, teaching as doctrines the commandments of men. They're teaching the commandments of men. I believe that there is a spirit that is operating on the church today that's operating in our world. We're seeing it right now that it's being played out, that there's a spirit that is operating doctrines and, and theology and all of these things that are being passed down from word to word. And God is asking the church, will you stand with me? Will you stand with me in this hour? Will you stand with me with these, these traditions and these doctrines? And then it goes on in verse 10. He says, when he had called the multitude to himself, he said to them, hear and understand. Not what goes into the mouth defiles the man, but what comes out of the mouth defiles a man. It didn't say that what comes into the man. It said what comes out of a man. In other words, that kind of specifies that it's not just every man, but it's a man. You know what that tells me? That if, if we can put bad things in and bad things will come out, what would happen if a church could rise up and begin to put good things in? What kind of things would begin to come out? Because our actions, our thoughts, and our behaviors, they're being measured. Even as we speak, and he says to the people in verse 10, Verse 12, then his disciples came and said to him, I like this, do you know that the Pharisees were offended when they heard this saying? <laughs> what got me about this scripture is that Jesus used the offense, watch this, he used the offense to get to the origin You will be offended by the truth. You should be offended by the truth. The truth should offend us because when we are offended by the truth, then we are now coming out from under the authority and being governed by another kingdom and God is pulling us into his kingdom. Because that's what happens many times in our life. Many times. We, we, we don't want to be offended. You know, what would make, you know what would be offense right now? I can tell you right now a tradition because some of you sit in the same seat every week. You want, to call, call, you want me to cause a moral outrage in here? And then Pastor Chad will clean it up next week. A moral outrage would happen. Because we sit in the same seat every single week. I'm just using an example. And there's nothing wrong with you sitting in the same seat. I love it. All right? But if I was to ask you to get up and go, you go to this side and you split up and you do this and you do that, 
I tell you right now, dude, it's over. Service is over. <laughs> we have come so conditioned to tradition. We have, so, we have come so conditioned that we just want to be comfortable. Everybody's want things to get back to normal. I don't want to get back to normal. I want to know what's ahead of me. I want to know what the future holds. If I only live in wanting normal to come back, then I'm going to miss the opportunity for what God wants to do in me and through me. He's saying today, church, that he wants to break us away from tradition. We've got traditional mindsets. Maybe it's something that's been passed on from generation to generation. But here's what I know. I got to go on. I got to go on. Man, it says I'm working out here on my, time, on my watch. <laughs> Slow it down. <laughs> and then Jesus said after he used the offense to get to the origin, then he told us about the outcome. That all began with O, in case those people that like that to be in order right there. First came the offense. Jesus used that as a platform to get to the origin, to get to the place of the heart. And then he began to tell them what the outcome was going to be. And the outcome was this. Every plant which my heavenly Father has not planted will be uprooted. Boy, isn't that spiritual? Isn't that exciting? Woo! Jesus says that it will be uprooted. What's he talking about? People that, that will be so accustomed and people that will only follow the traditions of man, it's not going to make sense to the people that are spiritual. It's not going to make sense to you. It's not going to make sense to the people that are non-spiritual. The spiritual is not going to make sense to the people that are spiritual, non-spiritual people. So he says there that every plant will be uprooted. Let them alone. They are blind leaders of the blind, and if the blind leads the blind, both will fall into a ditch. So what's Jesus saying to us? What's he speaking to us? He's speaking to us today that, that he wants to break religion in our lives. He wants to break religion. Now here's how, I'm going to give you a few other verses on, on that tradition. Because here's what I know. 1 Peter 1.18, we'll get there first. 1 Peter 1, 18 and 19, it says, Knowing that you were not redeemed with corruptible things. What were you not redeemed with? We were not redeemed with corruptible things. Right? We were not set free by corruptible things. It wasn't anything that anybody could do other than Jesus. He's the only one that redeems us because he is the redeemer. We are not redeemed by silver. We're not redeemed by gold. We're not redeemed by aimless conduct by tradition. Paul classifies, or he classifies, Peter classifies tradition as aimless conduct. That means there's no direction and there's no purpose. When we adhere to, when we stick to only tradition in our life and we never break out, we are being held captive by this, by aimless conduct. That means our conduct that we have has no purpose, no direction, no meaning. There's no value to it. That when we only adhere and we only receive and only function by tradition. I'm not, doing, I'm not saying that tradition is not good. Jesus wasn't addressing the washing. Because I believe Jesus had some, 
sanitizing values himself. But what I'm saying this morning is this. Have you ever, like, come across somebody and uh, you were going through the crowd or something, and especially with everything going on right now, and you, you shake their hands, and then as soon as, they walk, as soon as you walk away, you kind of look out of your corner eye, and they go, they get down there in their purse, and they <laughs> begin to sanitize their hands. God began to speak to me about that, that we're so concerned about sanitizing our outward appearance that we will never sanitize our hearts. It's not until we will never break away from tradition until we understand that it's a heart issue and not an outward issue. We won't sanitize our hearts because we know that it will change our actions, our behaviors, and our thoughts. Because sometimes we love the patterns. We love the actions and we love the behaviors that it proves. It brings satisfaction to our life. And God is saying, I don't want that anymore. I want to do away with that. I want you to have good thoughts. I want you to have good actions and good behaviors in your life. So we have to sanitize our hearts. We sanitize the hearts by what? By the truth. It's the truth of his word. It's the word of God that sets the captive free. It's the word of God that sets us free from all kinds of bondage and all kinds of things in our life. It's the word of God. It's the truth. If you never read your Bible, then you will never be able to sanitize your heart. If you don't know what his living and active word says about your situation, about who you are, then your heart can never be sanitized. I think that there's a spiritual sanitation that's being taken place in the body of Christ. And that's why it's important not to just think about what traditions do I need to get away from outwardly or get away from vacation and spend time with my family. That's all good. That brings positive things, can bring positive things. But it's whenever tradition gets into the, in the way of spiritual. When tradition gets in the way of spiritual, we got a problem. It's aimless conduct. Colossians 8 and 2, it says this. It says, be aware lest anyone cheat you through philosophy and empty deceit. People are being cheated right now. Can I tell you today, in case you didn't know, that the word cheat, it means to spoil or means to be held captive or take away. People in the body of Christ are being taken away and held captive because they've been cheated by philosophy and empty deceit. Philosophy means the wisdom of men. I don't want the wisdom of men. I want the demonstration of spirit and power. When we begin to choose spirit and power over the wisdom of men, then we begin to operate in the things of the kingdom. Have I arrived yet? No. Jesus is a traditional breaker. We have to be aware of those who cheat us through philosophy and empty deceit. According to the tradition of men, where is that philosophy and empty deceit coming from? The tradition of men, according to the principles, basic principles of the world. We're in the world, but we're not of the world. But we are according to Christ. We are according to him. Let's just go on. Mark 7 and 8 is another parallel with this. Jesus used this description in Mark as well about the defilement that comes from within. In Mark 7 and 8 it says, For laying aside the commandment of God... You hold the tradition of men. 
when he's talking to the Pharisees, he's saying that you lay aside the commandment of God. What if, what if a people would hold to the commandments of God and lay aside the tradition of men? We want revival in America. We want revival in our homes. We want revival in our marriages. We want revival and we want to see our prodigals come home. We want to see all these spiritual things begin to happen. But what if we would lay aside the tradition of men and hold fast to the commandment of God? You know why we haven't held fast to the commandments of God? Because we don't know them. We forgot them. The only way you know them is in his word. That's the only way that we know them. Well, I heard about them whenever I was in kids' church. I heard about the commandments of God, but we never revisit them because we don't think they have a spiritual significance nowadays or a spiritual, um, there's, there's nothing valuable about them now. But God is saying there is something valuable about my commandments, about his commandments. The word commandment in the uh, Greek means an, an injunction, order, or command. God is saying that whenever we reject, when we choose to hold to the tradition of man, we are rejecting, rejecting the order and command of God in our life. Did you know that God has commands for you in your life? He has order for you in your life. But so many times we want the order of somebody else. But I come today to tell you that there's only one mandate from heaven. And it's written. It's a written mandate. It's not an oral mandate. And that's what Jesus was imposing. He was imposing and he was going against this idea that this tradition was linked to only oral and passed down from, by mouth from generation to generation. And he said, my commandment is what is written. Tradition is what is said. When are we going to identify what is written versus what is said? Will we see God move in a powerful way if we lay aside what is said versus what is written? Just a thought. I want the move of God in my life. But I know there's hindrances. You know, there's certain traditions in my life, and, I've, and I'm just going to be honest about some things, that there's certain things that I felt like was passed on to me from generation to generation. And I used to hunt. And I used to wear this hat that said, the buck stops here. And I'll never forget that. It made an impression on my heart. I'll never forget the moment that I said, the buck stops here. This thing that keeps lingering will stop right here. It won't captivate my family. It won't captivate, captivate my children. The buck stops here. But there's many things in our life that we inherit <laughs> by giving thought to that begins to pr produce actions and then a behavior. I used to have a bad anger problem. Which is more important in your life, the tradition of men or the truth of God? The Bible says 
that Jesus was addressing the heart. When he said that they draw to me with their lips and their hearts are far from me, what was he saying? He was saying that they, they come to me with their mind. They come to me with, with a different character. They come to me with an, with an inner self and a will and intention that is not of the kingdom because they only come to me with their mouth. But when God does something in your heart, when there's something that happens in your heart, it begins to control. It begins to take over those places. It begins to take over your mind and your character. It begins to take over your will. It begins to take over your intention center of your heart. Now, I'm not saying that, that if you're not arrived yet, that you're doing something wrong. We're going to talk about that here in a little bit because I'm not completely arrived. But Hebrews chapter 10, verse 6, it says, this is the covenant that I will make. Here's why it's important to go after what is written versus what is said because it's already written. This is the covenant that I will make with, my, with them after those days, says the Lord. I will put my laws into their hearts. Where is he going to put his laws? And in their minds I will write them. Where is he going to write them? What's important to Jesus? Our hearts and our minds. Jeremiah 31, 33 gives another example. But this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel. This is the covenant that I want to make with the Rhodes Church. This is the covenant that he wants to make with us. That he has put his laws in our minds. And he has written his words on our hearts. We've been stamped. We've been marked. If we are a born again believer and we've asked Jesus to be the Lord of our life, then our mind, our character, our intentions... And everything else is being governed and controlled by the authority of the kingdom. Therefore, our thoughts, our actions, and our patterns will always line up with that. Jesus. So God began to ask me the question this. If we are truly born again, if we are truly born again and have a covenant relationship with Jesus then we will choose to do what is written rather than what has been said. That's a challenge to our hearts, that we will choose to do what is written versus what is said. There's a lot of things that's being said right now. A lot of things being said. It's easy to engage and embrace what is being said, but I want to encourage you today, don't embrace just what is being said, but embrace what is written. Embrace what is written. So what is Jesus saying? What is he wanting to do? How is he wanting to break religion in our life? Or, or Christi- not Christianity, but religion and tradition. How is he wanting to break this outward self-seeking sickness that we have in our hearts? How does he want to do that? Well, I'm glad you asked. John 4, 23. He says this, but the hour is coming. And the hour has now come. The hour has come. The hour is coming. The hour has now come. There is an hour upon us. And that hour has come. When true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and what? How do we worship the Father? In spirit. Our whole being. Through the spiritual. We don't look through the lenses of tradition. We look through the lenses of spiritual. 
He says there that a time is coming and has now come. It's here. That the Father is seeking true worshipers. For the Father is seeking true worshipers. God is a spirit and those who worship him will worship him. Those who worship him will worship him in spirit and truth. If we truly say that we are born again and that we worship the Lord, then we will worship him in spirit and we will worship him in truth. We will worship him. We will embrace his truth into our lives like his truth matters. His truth is the only thing that's going to get us by. His truth is going to help us prevail, have victory in our life. So how do we do it? Here's a personal application. This is just what I'm seeking in my life right now. Because this is the place that I want to live from. God is inviting me, but I think he's inviting his bride into a moment where we will decide whether we will embrace the truth or embrace what is being said. Will we seek the tradition of men or will we seek and go after the commandment of God? Jesus said, Matthew twenty two thirty four. But when the Pharisees heard that he silenced the Sadducees, I like Pharisees are there again. Then one of them, notice what the Pharisees did. They couldn't even talk, so they pushed a darn lawyer to the front. Right? They pushed the lawyer to the front because they knew that the lawyer, they knew that he could cross-examine Jesus. They knew that he had some tools. They're like, hey, why don't you go get in a, ask him some questions. And the lawyer was a brave guy. He goes up and he asks him, testing him. Anybody ever been tested? You ever been tested on your thoughts? You ever been tested the way you think? You ever been tested on what you believe? You ever been tested to believe something different about yourself? than what God says about you? They asked him the question, tested him, and he said, Teacher, which is the great commandment in the law? Next verse. Which is the greatest commandment? Jesus said, Listen, I want you to see this, because what is happening in the church is we are overlooked this commandment because we believe that this is a first option. This is a first priority. This commandment is a first priority, not a first option with God. Because so many people, yeah, I want to live. I want to love my neighbor as myself. Many of us are trying to love our neighbor without loving God. I know that doesn't set well with men because we're strong, we're tough. But I want to tell you something. There's an intimacy with you, man. There's an intimacy that God wants to take you to. There's something that God wants to do in your life. But he says that God, Jesus said to them, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart. How much of your heart? So we're saying that we love the Lord our God with all of our heart. That means that God, whenever we love him with our heart, that means he's going to change our character, right? That means that our thoughts, actions, and behaviors are going to change because we love God with all of our heart. He said there's no greater commandment than these. No greater commandment. But yes, in church... We overlook it because we look at it as an option. 
This is first priority, Christianity 101. If you want more of Jesus in your life, you have to embrace the first and great commandment. This is what Jesus is leading and pulling the body of Christ into. His bride is going to live by loving him. If you can't love Jesus in a way through intimacy on this earth, you will never love him when you see him face to face. When he's your prize on the earth, he's your prize in heaven. And you will love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your affections. And then he says, he goes on, he said, you'll love him with your soul, with your mind, with your mind. You'll love him with your mind. Mark, Mark gives us a little bit different analogy there. It says that, and, so, and you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. Notice what he says in Mark, that he'll, you will love him with all your strength, all of your resources, all of your talents, all of your gifts, all of your finances. Well, I don't know if I need to tithe 10%. I don't know if I need to tithe what I need to do. I'll just give what I need to go. No, you're not loving God with all your resources if you don't tithe the way that God wants you to tithe. Many times we, we overlook if we want to love God with everything that's within us, which is what God is wanting us to do, we have to embrace Him with all of our strength, with all of our resources, with our influence. The soul, that's the place of our identity. You can take each one of these each and every day in your life and apply them and, and speak over them and pray, Lord, I love you with all my heart right now. My heart, my mind, my character, God. My, my, my intent, my, the intention center, Lord. You can go to the next one. You can say, Lord, I love you with my soul. Lord, I thank you for your identity. I love you because you put your identity inside of me. And you can go to the last one. You can talk, you can pray how he gives you strength in your life. You use your resources, your gifts, your talents. But here's what Jesus did. And I think it's even as profound as it was in that day, it's profound today. It still holds so much value. It says in Ephesians 2, 14 and 15, it says, For he himself is our peace, who has made us both one, and has broken down in his flesh the dividing wall of hostility. He's breaking down the traditional wall. He's breaking down the traditional barriers. He's giving himself by breaking down the walls, by abolishing the law of commandments expressed in ordinances that he might create in himself a new man where two people become one. He's not saying that we shouldn't have tradition in our life. He's just saying that the, right, the tradition should be in alignment with the kingdom and the commandments of God. Thank you for listening to this week's message. If you enjoyed this podcast and would like to give, please visit us at theroads.church. To stay connected, follow us on Facebook and Instagram. You can also subscribe to our YouTube channel to watch our latest sermons.